Hello, and welcome to episode 175 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Phil Fariska. Welcome back, all you honorary fooligans. And Melissa Caviar. Howdy ho. <laughs> oh, it's really Melissa Kavanaugh, but she likes to be called Caviar. <laughs> and so that is going to stick. But this is another Melissa episode. We're going to be diving into more data. I know you guys love the data that we look at. So this is based on the survey that we did right before Christmas to a bunch of leisure travelers. We, we've already reported on the findings of that on aggregate, but we, we had a little discussion a couple of episodes ago about wonder what the difference is between people that have traveled and have not traveled. And so we slice and dice the data with that dimension in mind. And we're going to be breaking down 11 key differences between those two cohort groups today. So if you think all travelers are the same right now, you've got another thing coming, Sonny Jim, because we're about to blow <laughs> your mind and show you that the people that have traveled and the people that have not traveled are thinking about things in a very, very different way, which means you have to tailor your, your messaging, your your channels maybe, your timing, everything to the audience that you're trying to reach. Now, obviously, we all strive to be communicating with an audience of one, but that's not always practical. But at a very minimum, you need to be bifurcating your audience right now into two groups, people that have traveled already and stay with you and people that have not so that's what we're going to be digging into today and before we get into that let's see what's going on in the news news with hotel marketing that cannot lose now it's time for your news news i didn't even have to tell you today you just you've just accepted it's your fate that you have to sing it every time you know what i, I guess after 175 of these episodes we're starting to work together like a oh mediocrely oiled machine. That's right. Just only a little bit of grit left in the cogs. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we got two news items today. Okay. Let's knock them uh, out of the park. So the very first one is DuckDuckGo passes 100 million searches per day, which – Sounds like a lot, but when you compare it to Google's 3.6 billion searches per day, it is just a drop in the bucket. And I, and I thought it was an interesting story. It's in, I believe it comes to us from, uh, I've clicked around so much, search engine land. I, I found it just pretty interesting in general that with all of the concerns of privacy and basically the stranglehold that Google has on the search space, that we're starting to see various competitors, primarily privacy-related, start to to grow in popularity. And while 100 million may not sound like a lot when you compare it to Google, it's only about 2.3% market share, it is a pretty impressive line when you see their growth over time. So then they've, really in the last year, they've seen their traffic you know over double, and it's only going up right now. Yeah, I think you're off by a point now. I think it's 0.2%. Um, I don't think it's 2%. It, it's, it, it is a fraction, but I think the trend is what's important. It's the fact that privacy concerns are, are increasing, especially as we, we kind of move forward and every generation is going to be a little more digitally savvy than the last. I think you're going to see things like ad blockers get, get um, utilized more. I think you're going to see more... Yep concerns about what data people are willing to give you or at least what value you have to provide in, the, in order to get the same amount of data so this is this is an important trend um, for yep. a lot of reasons you know but as a consumer it's, it's probably a good thing because it's going to put yep. pressure on people to, like Google to to do the right thing with their data not abuse yeah it. and really that's where the great innovation comes from is having that good competitor set so mm -hmm. yeah Stuart, you mentioned that that number was low the numbers have changed. So right now, Google has eighty, basically eighty-eight percent of search traffic. Mm -hmm. Bing six and a half. Yahoo's three percent, and then DuckDuckGo is at two point three. Oh, okay, so, so it is too. So it's it's gone up an order of magnitude. Okay, wow, yeah, yeah. So 
so Google has seen a decline in their overall search, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're still talking, you know, pennies on a dollar. So it's, they have a lot of work to do to become a major competitor, but something to be watching out for. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you need to obviously focus on Google and, and, and really the reality is like, if we try to turn this into something tangible for you as a hotel, it doesn't mean that you need to go develop a duck, duck, do, go strategy today. Cause the reality is there they're getting their search results from other places anyway. So the things you do for Google that make you rank are the things that will make you rank for um, DuckDuckGo. So it's more about consumer sentiment and being aware that... Well, I would say this, actually. What's that? The more people who use DuckDuckGo, those Mm -hmm. are also the people who are typically using ad blockers. Mm -hmm. Those are people who are seeing the organic results actually at the top of the search results, too. Yeah, that's true. you know, focus on doing a phenomenal job from a content development and customer experience perspective on your website to get your sites ranking high and you know, you'll get your share of that traffic. Yeah. And and the factors are the same, right? It's it's if, if your site is fast, if you have relevant content, if you have inbound links, the, these things that work for Google work for, for all search engines, including DuckDuckGo. Yep. Were you gonna say something, Melissa? No, I just said it was sound advice. Okay. Well, thank you for the cherry on the top of that conversation. It's, I mean, it's it's interesting. Just keep that in mind as you move forward in terms of what data you're collecting and how you're using consumer data. It's, it's going to become more and more of a hot topic. All right. We have another newsroom today, right, Phil? Two newsrooms in one day. You are spoiled, listeners. <laughs> you're absolutely spoiled today. Yes, our second newsroom also comes from Search Engine Land. And it's stating that Yelp launched health and safety measures community feedback feature. So uh, this new feature allows the community to leave feedback on local businesses, social distancing, and mask compliance. Um, So really just kind of make sure that your staff is following guidelines set forth by your area um, and you won't have to worry about getting a, a bad review about your Um, health and safety measures. But um, you are allowed to promote uh, some of the precautions that your your business is taking, um, some of the things that you're offering. Like if you have heated outdoor seating at your restaurant, um, you can include things like that or, you know, contactless options, you can promote that. Um, But one thing that I took away from this is you need a consensus among the community for this to actually show in your Yelp listing. So uh, people either have to be saying, yes, you are taking health and safety seriously, or you are not. You need multiple users to leave feedback, and it all needs to be the same type of feedback for it to actually show. I kind of like it. As our priorities shifted, as the things that concern us and the things that we care about have shifted, Sites like Yelp, sites like TripAdvisor have to adapt. They have to shift. Our websites, our hotel websites have to shift. Because, you know, a year ago, I didn't care about whether the local area had a mask ordinance or whether it was being enforced on the property. But today I might, you know. So, if it, especially if you're a property that's been closed down for a while and you're getting ready to reopen, you can't just launch the same content that you've had for the last two years and expect it to work the same way expectations are different behavior is different and you've got to cater to that so understanding what it is that motivates people today and understanding what levers you have to pull to to influence that is critical and obviously things like this are a key component to that so it's, it's a good innovation for for yelp to make and i think others are doing this i think TripAdvisor is doing something similar and there's other startups that are kind of looking at how do they kind of crowdsource information that's relevant about safety and enforcement of, of say social distancing and things like that cool so do, do we want to go for a hat trick of newsaroos uh unless you have do you have one no i don't i was just you know seeing if we wanted to jump the shark because i think that would probably be too many right so two two seems to be maximum. yeah I, I don't i don't think our listeners can handle it no. it's too I mean, much knowledge because melissa's about to drop a bunch of knowledge bombs on our head well, that that would was the point I was about to make is we we're about to blow their minds. In, and if we'd already blown them with three newsaroos, we might have been in trouble. Because I don't think you can have your mind blown twice in the same episode. That would just that would blow your mind a third time. 
the concept of that. So, all right. So, Melissa, you want to talk a little bit about what we did and why we did it? Yeah. So, as you said, we did talk about our last version of the consumer sentiment study, which we put out a couple weeks ago. Um, but really, after we dug into that data and we discussed it, and we really thought there was more to be had there, just trying to look at those people who had traveled versus those people who had not traveled with the same data set. So we uh, we pulled out 11 fun facts of a key importance that um, may not be surprising so much, but nonetheless important so that you can actually take this information and use it to get travelers into your hotel. All right. So let's jump straight in, shall we, with the data. So number... Okay, number one, do you plan to get a coronavirus vaccination? Not surprising, but a little disheartening. Of those who have already traveled during the pandemic, just 55% said they were planning on getting the vaccine versus 75% who have not yet traveled. This one doesn't surprise us. And and we'll see this as as a through line throughout this, right? So... Whether or not you've traveled between March 15th, I think was the date we put, uh, 2020 and today, um, says a lot about you. I mean, we can infer some stuff about it. Now, now, there might be, you know, certain individual circumstances. But in in general, I think we could assume that if someone has traveled, they maybe don't um, have as much fear surrounding the coronavirus. They maybe are a little more risk tolerant in general. Or they're more risk takers. Um, they may not see that the the need of the vaccine is as great because you know by nature that's just their their predisposition to risk. So it, it doesn't surprise me, but it but it's it's meaningful. I mean, set aside the political nonsense, set aside the the societal health implications of people saying they're not going to take the vaccine. Because everyone should take the vaccine. It's it's important for hospitality and recovery. If we want people to to get traveling again, we really need to focus on the people that haven't traveled. Right? The people that have traveled will probably continue to travel, although some may kind of float back into a state of fear if they're exposed to COVID or themselves or a family member suffers, you know, severe um, symptoms and and maybe passes away, right? Some people are going to float back down into a non-traveler. But for the most part, we know once someone has traveled, over 70% of them travel again. So we're not really worried about how they perceive the vaccine. We, we are worried about the 43% of people that have not traveled because those, or 47%, sorry, people that have not traveled because those are the people we need to move over to the travel bucket. Those are the people we need to have influence on in a positive way that says, okay, travel, responsible travel is safe. Places don't spread COVID. People spread COVID. Get get yourself traveling. It's going to be good for you because you've been bottled up for this long, and it's good for the, the hospitality economy as well. So the fact that the 75% has said they will get a vaccine that haven't traveled is a really positive number, if I'm going to put an optimistic spin on this. There you go. Always the optimist, Stuart is. Yeah. But then that, fi- that 45% of um, people that aren't going to get the vaccine that have traveled, they just, we need to shake them a little bit and get them to see reality, I think. All right, on to number two. Do you plan to travel during the upcoming holiday season? Remember the survey was sent out just after Thanksgiving. Uh, 94% of those who have not traveled basically said, oh, hell no, still not traveling, not happening. And uh, still, even of those who had traveled, 75% said, no, they are not traveling during the upcoming holiday season. So that was kind of interesting. This one makes a little bit of sense to me. And obviously the 94% that said they're not going to travel is an incredible number because holiday season is the biggest travel time pretty much of the year. So you know, if we want to fill our hotels in the summer, we need to get those 94% of the people people, you know, out traveling, vaccinated and, and moving forward. But for the 75% who have traveled but are not traveling during the holidays, I wonder how much of that is related to the people they would be traveling to see. You know, I think 
when, when, if I go on a vacation with my family, it only impacts me and my family. But if I'm going to go visit elderly, elderly family, I'll probably think a little bit harder about doing that than just a family vacation. I think that's a valid point. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to number three. All right, now we're talking about financial stuff and planning and things. So in 2021, assuming cases are dropping and vaccines are being distributed, when will you likely begin planning your next trip? So the people who have traveled, 32% said they would start planning in January, which is right now. We're actually at the end of January as we're recording this. It was by far the most popular answer for those who have traveled. For those who haven't traveled, the answers were far much more distributed, but April took the top spot with 14% of votes. So four months later than those people who have already traveled. Big distinction, important to note. And we saw the same thing when we asked about booking their next trip. It was basically the same set of answers. January being most popular for the people who have traveled and April for those who have not. So so here's, here's an insight from that, right? So it would be easy for, for one to assume that as, as we begin to see more recovery, you know, if your website has started to see an uptick in traffic, which a lot of our clients have, and you're beginning to see some bookings coming in, you you start getting kind of this sense of false security that, okay, well, people are traveling, they're making decisions, and I can go back to kind of status quo normal in terms of my messaging, my communication, and things like that. What we're seeing from this data, this four-month kind of delay for this, this non-traveler group, and we'll talk about some of the triggers for these people later on in this in this episode. But the types of things that they care about are different than the people that are booking now. So you might be thinking, well, maybe I don't need as much COVID-related um, information on my pre-arrival emails because people are booking now and they're getting back to normal. When the exact opposite is the case, because the people traveling now are the ones that don't care. The people that are going to be booking three or four months from now are the people that are still going to care a lot about that stuff. So just be careful you don't get lulled into this full sense of security with with the patterns that you see. Because th- these are two just completely different types of people. What matters to them, how they behave, is completely different. So don't assume that everyone that comes to your website between now and April is going to be the same type of person in the same bucket of those two. You know, what I, what I took away from this one is um, there's that large group of people that haven't traveled yet, but definitely want to travel. And they are, you know, they say they're going to begin planning, but I think we need to start driving the demand for those people now, um, getting them in the very top of your funnel, making them aware of, of your hotel and, and your destination uh, now. And when they start to begin planning, they'll they'll remember you. So keep that in mind as well. So there's an old marketing saying that says you're speaking to a parade and not a standing army. And kind of what that means is, you know, people are constantly going by you. People are coming into the funnel and out of the funnel. And there's so many people who have not traveled. And many of them have not even started planning to travel. So if you went out of your way to create a a very clear COVID message to your guests of how you're keeping everybody safe. But then you start ripping all that stuff off your website and you're forgetting about it completely. You're missing the point because the people who really needed to see that information weren't necessarily seeing it at the beginning of, or mid 2020, you know, they're only seeing it right now. So you want to adapt it so that you're addressing the people who are back into the travel habit, but you still have to get those people who haven't traveled at all too. All right. Moving on to number four. In 2021, assuming cases are dropping and vaccines are being distributed, when will you likely travel for your next trip? Some very different looking graphs on this question. Those who have traveled lean significantly heavier to the first six months of the year, and June was the peak with about 17% of responses. 
non-travelers, it looked a lot more like a sort of normal bell curve where you see a, a steep increase starting in April. It peaks in May. It's still only 12% of responses, and then it tapers throughout the rest of the year. However, 2022 or later, as the response, is nearly as popular as both May and June were with about 11% of responses. So there's definitely still you know, some people are maybe going to hopefully get on the road starting in April, but there's still a, a good amount of people that are still waiting it out. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, we don't have historical data here. I wonder, in in, in a normal year, if we ask this question, how many people just skip a year? Like, for, for a variety of reasons, health, finances, whatever, right? Right. There's probably some people that don't travel every year. Um, there, there are. I mean, there's not. Probably there are people that don't travel every year, so I don't know how how increased that number is versus a normal year. But it is interesting that it's so much higher in the people that haven't traveled than it, than it is in the people that have traveled. Yeah, this these these graphs are definitely worth looking at. This to me is one of those kind of holy cow. This is this hits you in the face with the the implications. And so we'll we'll put these two graphs on the show notes. So it's fueltravel.com slash podcast, and you click on episode 175. You can see these two graphs side by side. They are startling. I almost feel like we should create a blog post just on that that narrative right there. Just show those two stark differences and talk about the implications. Mm-hmm. That is quite an idea, Stuart. All right. That's your next assignment. Great. <laughs> All right. No. Moving on to number five. All right. Number five is really three questions in one. In 2021, do you expect your travel budget slash number of trips slash vacation days to increase, decrease, or remain the same as it was in 2019? So not in 2020, but compared to 2019. For all three questions, for those people who traveled, the majority of votes said those things were not changing. And for those that did change, we had more votes for either taking more vacations, spending more money, et cetera, than spending less. For those who haven't traveled, we had less than half voting for unchanged habits and a higher percentage of people spending and taking less time than more. So really quite the opposite behaviors for those who traveled versus those who have not. I was surprised to see that those who haven't traveled were actually planning on spending less or taking less time and all that stuff. I thought it would have been more even, honestly. Yeah, but I think it gets, you know, this is one of those averages things kind of works its way out you've got this like 20 percent of people saying they're not going to travel at all this year right so that that's going to be all of those people are saying less which is going to skew the numbers and also and i also think that we have um you know a group of cohorts here that are you know more risk adverse in general they're going to be more cautious right the fact they haven't traveled tells you that they're more cautious and so they might just be more conservative in their, their approach to looking at this. Right? Okay, I'm probably going to spend more money or less money because I'm a conservative person. So that that could be a part of it too. All right. Moving on to number six. This question, I want people at home to take out a piece of paper and pen or open up a computer or something that you're going to be able to take notes on because this is important. Pay attention now. If you haven't been paying attention before, now is the time to pay attention. The next time you travel, which of the following would you want the property to communicate to you prior to your stay? Those who have not traveled yet, 80% of them, 880%, said they wanted updated cleaning protocols and local mask requirements as their top two choices. 80% wanted both of those things of people who have not yet traveled. For those who have traveled, get the pens and papers out. Number one 
was the open status of local restaurants. 73% said that is their number one choice of what they want to hear about from properties before they arrive. It was then followed by the mask requirements and cleaning protocols, and each of those were under 70% of votes. So it was still a lot, but it wasn't number one, and it wasn't 80%. Which so, is, that makes some sense because it, the the further along you are in the, I guess, the reacquainting yourself with travel, the less important that becomes because you get a better understanding of what typical hotels look like when you travel in a post-COVID world. And now you moved on to, to okay, now I'm going on vacation. Where can I eat? What can I do? What, what places are open? So I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you're just, you got to do the same things you did to get people initially traveling. You have to keep working on those to get the people who are still scared. But so this is important in the fact that many people have automated either confirmation messages and or pre-arrival messages. And those all need to be updated regularly to include this information. We've said this time and time again after each round of this survey, talking about the local, you know, restaurants and events and things like that. But if you're not, you know, if you're not personalizing your message to either people who have stayed with you before versus not, you need to get all this information in there for everybody. Yeah, any, all- any CMS worth its salt or any, any sorry, CRM worth its salt is going to have the ability to see if someone that, that just booked or is, is about to arrive soon has stayed with you in a certain period right a a simple logic query of has this you know email address or person's contact have they made a reservation and stayed within the last nine months that if if you can you may want to consider customizing the messages to people that meet that criteria and people that don't meet that criteria because it does seem like the prioritization of the content may may be better if it may be better if you prioritize different content for those two audiences. Um, and it could just mean flip-flopping, you know, yeah. restaurants on top versus cleaning protocols. Yeah. Second. And if you can't, just just make sure that you're not missing out on this important stuff, right? Because like 70% of people, even if they have traveled, still care about your cleaning protocols. So it's not like they don't care about it. So it's not like you're going to remove it completely. So I would I would hedge, you know, if if... You know, if you can't get sophisticated enough to, to tailor to the audience, then lead still lead with that because you got one group that's saying it's eighty percent want to see that, and the other that's seventy percent. Um, and then maybe restaurants is on there, but it's lower down as a priority. Yes. But, but this is, you know, this is the you know the analogy that we've used a lot on the the show over the last several months is you know, the first time you went to a grocery store during the pandemic, and and part of the fear is of this situation is the fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know what to expect. I'm not trusting and I'm not confident in, in the experience. And so once you've done something once, the first time you go to a grocery store during this, you were very apprehensive looking around. Everyone was a potential threat, but then by the set, you know, the second time you, you lower the guard a little bit and the third or even more. And by the 20th time you, you're walking around with a beer in your hand and not too, and pulling your mask down to take a sip hypothetically i'm not saying i've done that but um although i have um but I, but i think the same with happens with travel right once you once you have traveled once you've um once you've done that once and you know a little bit more you're going to go in with more confidence and less fear the second time so things like the cleaning protocols are going to matter less the second time than they did the first time because you've already seen it you've experienced it all right Moving on. We were all unsure what number we were on. Is that what it was? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I had to pull up. I was pulling up the notes and, the, and then hoping that someone else started the number before. Yeah. How likely are you to book a trip in the next X number of days? 65% of people who have not traveled said they would definitely not be booking a trip in the next 30 days versus 28% who have traveled. Not surprising, but still wanted to point that out. So 35% are open to it though. That's interesting. That's that's the people that are malleable at this point. 
there's people to be found. Got to go hunt them down. Yep. All right. Number eight. On a scale of zero to five, how will the following vaccination scenarios increase your likelihood of booking a vacation within the next six months? So the three scenarios were that you got a vaccine, that all at-risk people had the vaccine, or at least 80% of the population had the vaccine. This one, still not surprising, but sort of surprising to me. Of the people who have already traveled, 40 to 47% said that the vaccine would have absolutely no impact on the likelihood of them booking a trip versus 20 to 27% who have not traveled. There's silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to process that one. So say that again. So nearly 50% of people who have already traveled said that the vaccine would have absolutely no impact on the likelihood of them booking a trip again. So my point with this one is it's not really that surprising, I guess, given the fact that they've already traveled, right? But knowing the demographic of this group skews older, and and that's the part that surprises me, that I wouldn't expect them to be rating it a five, but I would have thought maybe at least a one. (laughs) Sorry, it's pretty similar to what we talked about to start this off in that... Uh, 55% of people who have traveled said they don't plan on getting the uh, vaccine. Um, And nearly 50% here say it doesn't really matter. Uh, Vaccine or no vaccine, I'm still going to take a trip. Right. The data is consistent, at least. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's still, again, it it, it just, I don't know. There's something about it. Well, and the other other number is consistent, too, right? That that 20 to 27% are saying that it, um, on the other side, and seventy-five percent of them said that they would get the vaccine. So, right, yeah, it 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 checks for sure. All right, number nine. No, 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 no. Hey, okay. Melissa, before we jump yeah. into that, did you look at how the other two questions in that group, how that broke down? Did that see? Did you see a similar shift between the? Because um, we were talking about getting the vaccine yourself. What about the other two scenarios of um, either herd, herd immunity or so what's that's that? between the three. Oh, that was all three. Okay. Yeah, that's why there's a range. It's 44 to 47. Oh, uh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Do, do, could you see, so one of the things we looked at which before was there wasn't a lot of difference between the three scenarios in the, in the aggregate group, right? It, Correct. It didn't seem to matter. The numbers were all about the same, and that seems to be the same here. You didn't see a yes. spread. You know, it was seven percent in one group, three percent in the other. So I guess I guess there is. I mean, double the spread um, in the people that have traveled but haven't traveled versus the ones that have, but still not massively significant. The one it looks like. So on those that haven't traveled, the uh, in terms of no effect, the highest one was once you have been vaccinated, only 27%. So that would have no effect versus 20% of at least 80% of the population. So take that for whatever it's worth. That's interesting, right? Or go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, Pete. No, I said what I find so incredible is once people get the vaccine, it's, I would expect that to be like, yeah, once I get the vaccine, sure, I'll travel. You know, I, I would expect more people to think of it as a, you know, a superhero armor suit that they've got it. And now they can go ahead and, you know, get more back to, to normal. Yeah, yeah maybe so. it'll take time for that data to play out, right? Because we still, I mean, we've got early data on the efficacy from the, the trials, but we don't really have mass population data on that. You know, is it is it 95% efficacy or is it? You know, 100, we, we don't know. So for those still sticking with those who haven't traveled, looking at people who voted five on the vaccine. So once you've been vaccinated, had 28%. Mm-hmm. Once all risk people have been vaccinated, was at 23%. And then once at, uh, once at least 80% of the populations have been vaccinated is also at 28%. Mm-hmm. 
So still not, you know, overarching huge numbers on the five side. Yeah. And they might just be wait, taking a wait and see approach. What was interesting to me is that 20% of people that said, even when I'm vaccinating, vaccinated, it's going to have no impact at all. Like to me, who who is that 20%? Are they just never planning on traveling or are they waiting for the coronavirus to disappear completely? Because that ain't happening. So are we just are we going to permanently lose a section of people that are just never going to be comfortable traveling, or at least for some time? Good question. Well, and that's what I was trying to figure out because it doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if I were to be vaccinated, I would have a lot less concern, you know, about going out, traveling, being mm-hmm. in a restaurant or a bar. But I don't know. That's me. Yeah. All righty. Well, let's keep moving. All right. Number back to number nine. No, 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 no. All right. Pick the top three reasons that would prevent you from staying at a hotel right now. And again, I'm asking people to grab those pens and paper or pencils or whatever you choose to write with. Or go to the show notes and follow along. More than 35% of the people who have already traveled said nothing. There's nothing preventing them from traveling. It was the number one choice and it was closely followed by, hey, I've already traveled. And budget concerns came in at number three with 25% of votes of those people who have already traveled. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, let's talk about the people who haven't traveled. Fear, 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 and also fear is Mm -hmm. what their responses were. Fear of interaction with guests was resounding with 50% of votes. And then the next three responses were Fear of the air circulation, fear of the room, and fear of the common areas. Mm-hmm. Which just, again, proves that this is not a budget issue. You can't sell your way into the people who are fearful. They, You've got to quelch the fears. Quelch you've got the fears. to the safety of travel. I want to make a fuel shirt that says quelch the fears. <laughs> we have a lot of t-shirts to make mm-hmm. i want them all and we also a new cup. <laughs> we need to do a merch store do you think you think our, our fuel honorary fueligans would listen or, or would purchase the merch from our merch store let us know hit us up i if think you would. we have one or two what if what if we use our merch as incentives for reviews you oh. leave us a review and you could win some merch Oh, you get yeah, that's true. You get like a, a coupon code for free something. I mean, who doesn't want an ABT coffee mug? I do. I, I just want you to have T-shirts on there that say "This shirt has no buttons" because they've all been burned. <laughs> <laughs> With a little goat in the corner. This yeah. 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 <laughs> that would be amazing. I just want one that just says hashtag attribution theft is real. I think that that one people would get behind. So many. Let's do it. I want all the things. Well, if if you if you're interested in our merch, just shoot us an email info at fueltravel.com. We'll see what we can do. We do have some fuel turvis tumblers that we'd be happy to give away mm-hmm. if you leave us a review and let us know. We would uh, we probably need to get rid of some of those anyway. There's a big old box sitting in in uh in the attic somewhere. All righty. Moving, Moving on. on to number How soon will you be willing to make the following trips? This is talking about distance from home. Again, pens, paper, get them out. For those who have not traveled, even those who haven't traveled, 41% said that they would be willing to travel within a month, within an hour distance from home. 41% of all these people who have not yet traveled would be willing to travel within a month as long as it was within an hour drive from their house. All other distances from those people were drastically reduced. Which is great. I mean, that's that's a great first step that, you know, they're not completely comfortable, but they're willing to dip their toe in the water. I I would ask them why you driving three hours is more dangerous than driving one, but... Here's, here's what I'm thinking about this, because I, I, t- I was a little taken aback, too. I'm thinking that when they say travel within an an hour of their home, I don't think they plan on staying at a hotel. I think they plan on going somewhere that is an hour away, turning around and driving home. That's a great point. Because, I mean, if we, if we looked at it from some of the, the other data from earlier this year, um, 
I think it started with three hours. Is that yes, right? Yes, when we first asked the question, it was within three hours, and then right. we broke it down. Right. Yeah, and well, we had that, one that was said um, in your local area or something like that, and so we reclassified that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's just my guess. I could be wrong, but, I, I mean, still, if you look at um, at the charts, people who are willing to travel within that, that three-hour uh, area, is, it's still fairly high i mean for the people who have traveled already it's really high but um it's definitely still very important to be targeting your drive market within you know three hours of your property yeah yeah maybe we should rephrase that question or should have already rephrased that question to staying in a hotel making an overnight stay yeah all righty well thanks for ruining all the data phil i guess that's the end of the episode just stop listening. Just stop listening before. Yeah, turn it off. It's always before I ruin some more. Hey, Melissa, can you just go delete all the eleven studies we've done? Yeah, we'll just, uh, Phil just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. Okay, we got one more. Well, we didn't talk about the flip side of the people oh, yeah. who have already traveled. So, sixty-six percent said they would be willing to travel up to an hour within the month, 53% up to two hours and 42% within three hours from home. So there's that. So still, yes, as we said, the one to three hour market is, seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. But it does show that there's an opportunity there, right? From the people that haven't traveled that, that, that they're at least open to it. So there's some people that are going to move every day. There's people that are moving from the haven't traveled to the have traveled bucket. And so your job is to make sure you're in front of them at the time when they're making that decision. That's right. All right. Last but certainly not least is number 11. 11, 11, 11, 11. This goes to 11. <laughs> it's one more. <laughs> Which of the following would most likely persuade you to book a future vacation during the coronavirus? 70% of those who have already traveled still want the flexibility to change their plans. Even though they've already traveled, they still want that assurance that they can book in the future. And if something terrible happens, they're going to be able to change those plans. What I was interested to see is still the top vote for even those who haven't traveled yet was still flexibility to change and that was at more than 50 percent however on the downside of those people 40 percent also said they just couldn't be persuaded to book a trip right now but of those who can be persuaded flexibility still top priority for hey, sure. question for you. What percentage of people that have traveled said that they couldn't be persuaded to travel right now? Uh, it was very, very, very small. Hang on. I need to go scroll through some things. Uh, it's about 11%. All right, but think think about that, right? So that, you know, we we're talking about the fact that some people are, are, would move from one bucket to the other, meaning they go from non-travelers to travelers, but we talked about this earlier today on Lauren Gray's This Week in Hospitality Marketing show where people it's not a linear recovery. Like Different people are going to experience this in different ways and different triggers are going to change their opinion, whether that's media coverage, whether that's a personal experience or a loved one or whatever, like we mentioned a bit ago. But there, there's So that's 11% of people that have traveled say that they wouldn't, couldn't be persuaded to travel right now. So they've gone from being travelers to non-travelers. Something has obviously created that change. So we've got to be mindful of that as well. And that's it. Wow. So I'm convinced these are different types of people. I don't know about you guys. I first thought we were all the same until until I saw this. Yes, we are all different. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Well, yeah, Stuart, was uh, was it Lauren that that said we're not all – in the same boat, we're in the same ocean, but our boats are different. Yeah, I think Ed St. Ange from Flip oh, 2 was the Ed. first That's one right. that said it. Lauren has repeated it since then, and as have I, but no, I think Ed was the first one that said, yeah, we're not all in the same 
boat anymore. It's it's a big, messy, stormy ocean, and we're all in separate boats. Some of us are sailing in the same direction, but some are not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, right? Because when we look at these two two kind of groups, we're still grouping people. And, and we know from looking at the data last time as an average that this it's problematic, right? Because there's this this thing that happens when you average things in, in that you lose clarity on some of the fringes of individuals. And so we've broken it down into two segments of about 50% each. But if you broke it down even more by age or income or, you know, whether or not they've had COVID, you know, that's a question we, we haven't asked. What you'll end up getting down to ultimately is is segments of one, and each person is an individual with their own, um, you know, needs and, and influences and motivators and triggers that we we ultimately have to reach. You know, we have to make a connection with to get them to book. So, you know, th- this this data is something that should be used in context. This data is something that you can glean insights from, and it can make you think about how you approach things. But don't. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that every single guest is an individual that's coming to your property that is going to need individualized attention and want an individualized experience as well. Good stuff, Melissa. So so next time, I want you to slice this data between left-handed people and right-handed people. (laughs) Okay. Um, Aren't Bill and Pete both left? Aren't you guys both left-handed? I'm not left-handed. I'm what? left-handed. Left-handed. Absolutely, I'm left-handed. It's the best hand. I knew you were. I thought Phil was too for some reason. No, my no, he, my he arms got... aren't covered in ink. <laughs> yeah, he just smudges his writing on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that um... is a surefire way of finding out who's left-handed. <laughs> That's, That's something I didn't learn until very recently when having a pen discussion, because you know some of us are pen snobs in the office and it just never occurred to me that you know like those ink gel things people who are left-handed are just gonna have ink all over their hands yep. never thought about that can we segment the database by pen snobs and non-pen snobs yep. next time if they're and called that... pedophiles <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even all right so do, does anyone else have any any news they want to share or updates i don't i don't have any um, animal of any variety news to update you on since last week's incident? Any housekeeping you guys have? I don't have anything today. Okay. Hey, it's still early in 2021 though, so make sure you have those resolutions and you know work on making it the making an awesome year. It's a good time yeah. to start. It is. So did did you guys see that these are these are like palindrome days? Yes. Isn't that pretty cool? I didn't think about that until Alyssa told me last night. It's like, oh yeah, it's the same date forwards that is backwards for what? The next few days at least. Yeah, it's the next several days. I don't remember how many. Till the end of the month. That's pretty cool, man. Oh, can we talk about the Bernie thing real quick? The memes? The God, memes. Fast. So so there's occasions, right, when the internet just boils up some phenomena out of nowhere and you don't really fully understand how it hits with the intensity it does, right? You've got the um Laurel Yanni sound thing, you've got the, the white dress thing. And and this is like different than those in that it's not like controversial or splitting in, in the same way those those were, but it's it's really interesting because it's unified. Like I feel like everyone's enjoying it equally, regardless of your. Because it's not, although Bernie is a you know a symbol of something political, the meme itself is not political, and so it, it's all. right. It's and it's it's become something that I feel like you know there's been this um, kind of pent up pressure on on North, on the U.S. for quite some time, and culminated in the um, you know people entering the, the capital a few weeks ago and then there was so much hanging on the the inauguration that people I think a lot of people were expecting something you know to happen whatever that something is and the fact <laughs> that it didn't expected it to be yeah no one expected it to be Sanders mittens me. right yeah <laughs> no one expected it to be mittens on on Bernie Sanders on grumpy Bernie Sanders so I just I love it man and and art plays a lot of a lot of roles in our society, right? But one of the things I think art does in travel does too is, is heals wounds. And so I love the fact that everyone's embracing 
this Bernie Sanders meme like they have. It's 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 let's get more of that. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And there's new ones like every minute, every every second. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I've seen some really entertaining ones. I'm, I'm I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to appear in a lot of presentations over the next you know few years where people like to cite <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, I love it. So if your hotel hasn't already jumped on the bandwagon, it's a fun little thing to do, right? Put Bernie on something related to your hotel and stick it out on Facebook. I've seen people doing like Where's Waldo's with it, where they'll take yeah. like a huge crowd of people and, and stick, stick Bernie. Bernie in there somewhere and find Bernie. Yeah. 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 It's cool it's stuff. stuff. Alrighty. Well, that's what the internet was made for, right? For that, that nonsense and fun. So... Let's, let's all enjoy that instead of hating each other and arguing with each other um, about stuff we don't have a lot of control over. So anyway, if you want the notes to today's show, fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 175. Melissa, thank you for putting the notes together for today's show. We appreciate it, and we'll look forward to your your infinite bifurcations of the bifurcations in future episodes where we're going to split this down to individuals and we're going to say okay john smith from connecticut answered exactly this way and this is how you target him that'd be great that's the next <laughs> evolution of the study uh Melissa, if they want to find out more about you where can they do that i am on twitter at ma kavanaugh m-a-k-a-v-a-n-a-g-h or on linkedin at melissa kavanaugh and phil you can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And Sneaky Pete. Pretty much the same thing as everybody else, but different handles. I'm uh, P DeMeo on Twitter or Pete DeMeo on LinkedIn. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. If you want to shoot us an email and tell us how much merch you want to buy from us, info <laughs> at fueltravel.com. Um, if you want to leave a review, go do that on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it, and we'll read it out on the show. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. It's just, it's a perfect little meme. I love it so much.